0: self-care is our connection with nature. It's learning to be, learning to be and not having or in that state of having that long list of things to do. It's about stopping that practice of producing for progress. It's feeling free. It's putting down our chains that we carry through this world as black and brown bodies. And it's letting go of that weight, being in that green space is freedom it's feeling lighter it's our self-care and this is only something that we come to when we've had this realization that this is a free resource we can be tapping into nature being within nature being as one with nature and this is so eloquently described and shared in this episode with Gita Ludra who is one amazing woman who's in the um, the Chilterns running uh, a walking group and how she is serving being a servant opening up spaces within the landscape to to others to walk together safely and it was such a really good conversation to sit down with with her not face to face as yet but to hear her wisdom and just let it flow and float into me and just had me nodding my head yes 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 that connection with each other not seeing each other that we're doing similar things working to bring these diverse stories about our connection with nature to like to share them to get them on other people's agendas just to amplify them hello and welcome welcome to the earth sea love podcast This podcast is for and about women of color and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Sheree Mack. The Earthsea Love podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of color with mother nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in their environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour. Our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork we'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements welcome to the earth sea love podcast The Earth, Earthsea Love podcast is a space for women, feminine and non-binary people who are Black, Indigenous, people of colour to explore their relationship with nature. Thank you. Walking. Walking is such a powerful act that we have been doing for centuries and generations. Um, walking alone can give you that headspace, can give you that opportunity to turn over your problems, your thoughts, your feelings. But then walking together is such an empowering experience. And during this walk, you're in motion and you're also sharing stories. And this is what Gita also shares in this um, lovely episode as she just completed the moonwalk and the evening through the night marathon with a group of um, seven women in total and how they were sharing, sharing their stories. And it's that idea of that have trauma within us as individuals, within our families, within that's been passed down in our dna their expectation is that as black and brown indigenous and people of color that this is all we have this trauma pattern that we pass on to each other um so that we show up in spaces sharing our stories of pain and suffering sharing our trauma and It was such a lovely reminder to be talking to to Gita and knowing that that's not all we are. That's not the be, end and end all of us. We have so much joy and pleasure and happiness and laughter that we choose to show up for. We choose to claim and... You maybe put it on a pedestal. Because it is a practice. It is an active practice to lean into that joy. To claim that joy. To live like we deserve this joy. And again, a really good reminder talking to Gita about this. Because like, yeah. We could focus on the negativity. But why? Why if it makes us even more in pain when we could be feeling so much joy so yeah so that this is what this episode's about and i'm so glad i'm so glad that we're bringing it to you as the second episode celebrating earth sea love podcasts second anniversary of existence it hasn't been plain sailing it hasn't been a consistent output but we have been here we have been present we have shown up we're here and we're always here and we continue to be here and we're just we're just marking it man i say just not in that sense but that's what we're doing we're marking our presence here And that's also part of our our self-care practices. That we are here and we're writing our own stories. We're sharing our own stories. Because we are. We are beautiful. We are enough. We are here. So thanks. Thanks again for coming back and listening. And enjoy. Until next time. Bye for now. I'd just like to say, Gita, thank you so much for agreeing to be part of the Earthsea Love podcast. I totally admire and feel inspired for what you're doing in your part of the country. So thank you for being here today.
1: Well, oh, thank you for inviting me. And the feeling is absolutely reciprocal. <laughs> um, well done on the marathon. It was the overnight one and we started at Clapham Junction so it's the 24th anniversary of the moonwalk and seven of us did it
0: oh awesome that you did it as a group um yeah that, that makes it the miles get eaten away when you do it as a group definitely so well done for doing it also while you were um unwell as well or recovering from your cough so
1: Yeah, I wasn't on top form, actually, during that, but I'd made
0: a commitment to friends, mm-hmm. so I ploughed on through. Well done, well done. So let's just start. Where are you situated? I love to find out where people are in the world, because we do have a relationship with the place where we are. Um, and if you can see any nature where you are at this moment, too.
1: Okay, so I am privileged in that I have a garden, I have nature, I'm sitting in front of a plant right now, and yeah, I suppose I've got nature even with coriander that needs to be picked on the table opposite, which is going to be picked straight after this podcast. Oh, what we're making with it is the question. We are making alugobi tonight potato with cauliflower it's a recipe my dad taught me when I was young mm-hmm. and also going to be making mungi masar dal which is a wonderful ayurvedic dal which is really quick and relatively easy to make with basmati rice
0: mm, it sounds gorgeous you're making my mouth water you are <laughs> and whereabouts in the country are you I live in the Chilterns now I moved here almost two years ago
1: moved from the Slough area and absolutely
0: loving it. That love of the Chilterns sharing that I would say would you like to tell our listeners what you get up to out there in in that landscape and how you came about doing what you are doing? Well when I lived in Slough I started
1: a small walking group there actually, and that was run every month. And that was for about a year, year and a half. And then during the COVID pandemic, we moved to the Chilterns Mm -hmm. and obviously everybody was very disconnected and lonely. And when the restrictions were lifted and we could start to meet people outdoors, I had gone on walks on my own and I would walk for miles, Cherie, and just feel like, I didn't see anybody like me, i.e. with brown or black skin. And that's when I kind of said to my husband, I I want to create something in this space that isn't here at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try setting up a walking group here. So let's have a go. Would you support me? And he said, yes, of course. So I started putting it out on social media and generated interest. And I suppose it's also because I felt like I was privileged to live here and it's a very accessible space in relation to being close to High Wycombe, Luton, Slough, Uxbridge, all of those adjacent areas. So I wanted people to experience the Chilterns, started off with two women who joined my first walking group (laughs) and the three of us walked and then it grew And sometimes we get 40, 50 people, sometimes 10 people. And there's a program of events um, monthly, sometimes twice monthly that goes out. And as I've become more experienced, I've started to thematically organize the events. So, for example, this Sunday, I've got an event called Reading the Natural Landscapes, and that's in partnership with experts who are geologists. Um, who are going to educate those walkers, we're going to walk and talk, but also tell stories about how rocks are formed here, the trees, and how to read the landscape and the richness of the
0: Chilterns. Oh, wow, that is amazing. (laughs) And you're just, this is like, have you had a two year anniversary or is it just one and a half? I mean, this has happened rapidly. And for me, that just indicates that there's a need and a desire for this space, this safe space to be walking out with brown and black bodies and not just to walk um, I mean, yeah, the, there is the walking, but also to be the learning and the sharing of the knowledge to situate ourselves more in the landscape, I think. And what's this group called? Tell everyone the group's name.
1: Yes, so the group is a registered social enterprise called Daddi Mars. And Daddi Mars is the Hindi noun for paternal grandmother. So in Hindi, we have nouns for your maternal and paternal family. Mm-hmm. So Ma stems from when my children were growing up, we lived in a multi-generational family. Mm-hmm. And so Datimas means grandmother. And the word grandmother was chosen for our social enterprise because it encapsulates the wise grandmother figures across all cultures and the qualities of a grandmother, mm-hmm. which are usually, usually kindness, love, that nurturing embodiment, the the educational role of a grandmother and her wisdom. So all of these beautiful characteristics of a grandmother, we felt as a family could be translated to the wisdom of Mother Nature. Mm. So that's why our social enterprise is called Taddimas. Mm,
0: I love that. I love the, the, um, the story behind the naming because it's significant. And it does go on. Generational ancestral respect, which you carry on with the name and then whoever passes through walking with the group, they're touched by that. And as you said, that wisdom, it is a reciprocal wisdom between us and Mother Nature, as you've just called her. And just to continue talking about the group, you know, I'm off social media, but there was something that I saw on social media of you gaining an award or something or some kind of recognition for this work that you've been doing with the group. Am I wrong or am I
1: right? Oh gosh, Um, I wouldn't call it an award necessarily. It's attracting quite a lot of media attention. I've come onto a a mentoring programme Called Hatch. And Mm -hmm. that is like a monthly mentoring program where you have sessions and it's for people of color in outdoor spaces. But I'm being invited to quite a few events to talk about what I'm doing and the why behind what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. particularly in relation to engaging diverse audiences in green spaces. Mm -hmm. So I was at an event yesterday, for example, Cherie, which Mm -hmm. was about bringing nature in. How can we bring nature in? And I kind of discussed a critical lens through some of the walks that I've been doing over the last couple of years with my husband and talking about diverse communities. It's not that nature is not embodied within us or in, you know, we're not connected. It's just that our way of connecting is different. Possibly there are different lenses. So yeah i'm i'm speaking about it more and more because i want the narrative to change the dominant narrative in green spaces in nature writing is very much generally the white middle class lens mm. and there are a lot of invisible incredibly rich voices out there from black indigenous people of color and their voices need to be amplified they need to be heard and we need to connect with their narratives of nature as
0: being just as valuable. Yes. Well, Lena, you know, I'm totally in agreement with you and I'm so I'm so happy to hear it it's reflecting back what I feel and what I'm doing. And that just, as I said, inspires and fuels me to continue doing what oh, I'm doing. Must. Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes you think, oh, it's a lone battle. And sometimes you are this lone person talking in a room of white people about diversity and engagement you can spend a lot of time and energy trying to explain and engage in that in that environment to change the narrative and that does take time and energy and resolve so to find fellow fellow human beings doing it as well oh, does it I does, does maria i wish
1: i wish you were with me at a conference <laughs> yesterday so i was invited to talk in a conference space yesterday on bringing nature in Mm. and i was the only person of color conference where i have tweeted about it it was in oxford it was a beautiful Uh space Mm -hmm. but i was the only person of color it's traumatizing yes it is
0: is. i'm sorry for cutting across you there but i get really um impassioned about this because there is this mentality of inviting one person who's might be brown or black or offering an alternative narrative and thinking inviting one is actually doing doing justice. It's picking that box and it's in it's inviting that diversity into the room. But it is traumatic if you're that lone person speaking or representing for such diversity. As you said, there's such a rich and diverse People that are engaging with nature and their voices need to be amplified. That difference in diversity and multi, multi-ethnic, multicultural voices need to be because we okay, we have similar experiences, nature, or we we engage with it for similar things, but at the same time, we're still individuals coming from individual positions, and just as many as the stories that come from. You know, white people, there's just as many stories that come for brown and black and indigenous people. And it's getting that translated, you know. It's it's exactly
1: this, Sheree. And this is what I said yesterday in my talk. When I entered this space a couple of years ago, I really felt imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it's like I was starting education right from square one, mm-hmm. and it was from almost that deficit model that I didn't know much about this because of the meta-language of the nature space, the science nature of this space. It makes it quite exclusive. Over time, as I started to, because you have to be a seeker, as I started mm-hmm. to seek out the work of Black Indigenous people of colour in nature and reading diverse books and finding them, because you have to actively look. They're not always flying around, are they, in bookshops and things, a lot so more cool. so now... So you have to seek them out and search, Mm -hmm. look for them. And so I started to look for, you know, writers and people, you know, because I'm an academic. I was very interested in the academic lens in this space as well. I found a book by Sadish Kumar, who's um, a South Asian philosopher who's written a book called Soil, Soul and Society, Vandana Shiva, who's an Indian female conservationist, and activists and other people you know and started to look at what their lens was on this space and looking at other conservationists and activists and the diversity of nature connections is so powerful and when we look at it through this through these diverse lenses that we've just touched on you realize that actually our lenses are so rich and deep it's the depth our lenses the way our great great grandmothers our grandmothers our parents connect with nature um really has a spiritual depth I'd say
0: yeah yeah I'm hearing you so then let's just think about that you know our parents our um our grandparents what is your cultural or heritage background were you born in the UK and also was nature part of your childhood and upbringing?
1: Yeah, so my, um, I am Hindu Punjabi. My parents are born in Punjab in India. So, you know, they grew up in village life. So nature was part of their upbringing, even though they may not have analysed it the way we did today. But for me and my siblings, who were second generation, second generation South Asians in the UK, our parents were first-generation migrants, the the discourse or the ethic of work was so strong for my parents. It was very much about survival rather than thrival, I always say, because they had to work to make ends meet. And the way they had to work, there weren't pleasant circumstances in the 60s that they had to work under and the factories they worked in. So for us the discourse was very much when we were growing up where kids get an education any spare time you've got study because this is our way out of be it poverty be it our working class roots which are also racialized mm-hmm. so get an education it wasn't this weekend let's go for a countryside walk or let's go trekking so in that way nature wasn't but i remember my dad growing vegetables in the garden Mm -hmm. I remember picking coriander with my mum and you know all of those lovely things which we may not necessarily think of as nature Mm -hmm. or they're not dominant discourse but they still were or going on a picnic Mm -hmm. might have only been twice a year but going on a family picnic an Indian picnic Mm -hmm. with my grandmother and all the lovely Indian foods that she wanted and she liked so nature wasn't in a way, part of leisure. I wouldn't say it was part of a leisure dimension of my life. But as I've grown older, and I am over 50 now, as I've grown older, when I had children, I made more of an effort to make it part of my children's life. And in turn, I think as I got older and You know, dealing with the stress of life, dealing with intergenerational traumas, dealing with menopause, ailments and pains. I kind of wanted to make it part of my life, just like brushing your teeth is. I wanted nature to be an embodied part of my life. Mm. And I thought, and it should be a right. Why isn't it? Why haven't I made it an embodied part of my life Mm. when this can really make me thrive without any cost?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm just nodding my head in total agreement <laughs> here. And you, it's, it's right what you said about be, having to be a seeker. Mm. Um, because um, it is the white supremacy culture is what we live and breathe. And anything different to that. And I'm not even going to say other because Mm -hmm. I am not othering us, anything different to that, or runs parallel, is hidden, and we do have to seek, so yeah, I'm reminded about being a seeker, and I think that's also within, I say, getting back to nature, or remembering, or there is, there has been that disconnection, and I think you described it really, really well, in the sense of, for our, our parents who came here as immigrants, my dad came from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm, it was yeah. a case of factory. He, he was in a factory creating combined harvesters. <laughs> um, oh. but, but that was a case of survival, as you said. And my mom held down three jobs and that was cleaning or secretarial work. And you're right. Nature wasn't really on the radar for leisure. But my dad. Did grow tomato plants in the back room because that's where the sun got in. So, yes, yes. Yeah, so, there's parallels running there. And um, I so appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. So that was the past. And, and it sounds as if as you've gotten older and with your own kids actively seeked out nature and, and having that embodied experience. And why is that? What is it that you, you get as an individual from being within nature, being walking within nature? What is it?
1: It gives me, I mean, I was thinking about this today. What is it? Somebody asked me something similar at the conference yesterday. They said, how, but we all, don't we? Surely, how is is your life so different? And I kind of talked about the productivity discourse that as somebody who, I don't want to say come from nothing. I don't believe we came from nothing because there was a real richness to the simplicity of the life. That we grew up with as well but learning to we had to be so productive and any spare time it wasn't spent on self-care mm-hmm. or leisure time it was use your time wisely to progress so life was always fast in a way, doing things. It was always like a busy being, like a busy bee. Mm-hmm. And as I've got older, it's giving myself permission to say, I don't want to be this fast anymore. I don't yes. want to constantly be productive. I, and actually one form of my self care is being in nature mm-hmm. because it, it's that lazy verb, whether you want to call it lazy being. Um, it's, learning to exist in a state of being where you don't have a long list of things to do. It's feeling calm. It's feeling free um, from all the chains that, particularly as women of color, we often carry. Yes. The weight of those chains. And when I'm out in a green space or it's just open and I see fields, it feels like anything is possible.
0: Oh gosh, yeah. I
1: am. Again, I feel I, light. No. I feel. I feel light. It, yeah. it doesn't matter if I'm carrying a really heavy, heavy backpack yeah. and wearing heavy boots. I still feel really light. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm fifty now, so I do see myself as a an older, wiser woman, and I too, mm. I too have just like got enough that merry-go-round of fast produce. Pace and I do practice slow. And it is what you said of learning to be in that state of just being without having those to do lists or rushing off to do anything.
1: It is. You're exactly right. I'm sorry to interject, but otherwise I forget things so quickly now. No, No, Um, I'm with you on that. What you've just said about slowing down Mm -hmm. and that kind of productivity discourse mm. that's where self-care really comes in for me mm. it's being in the green space is self-care because I've made time to be there yeah um, and that space self-care is also finding a space to be creative because mm. I think some thinking creatively can be seen as an indulgence
0: mm. or
1: you've got too much free time on your hands
0: mm. actually I
1: see it as a core part of my nourishment
0: yes well not just nourishment I see it as a core part of being a human being you know and being Mm -hmm. a, a human being and expressing and being experiencing the full spectrum of feelings and emotions of being a human being and you're right you're right because like these last few months I've been going out walking every day Um, for my own health and well-being after COVID and other illnesses and I feel so much lighter but also so much more inspired in my creativity so I just like the sparks flying off me all in all kinds of directions of like ideas and synergy and energy of different ideas and themes and things that I'm thinking and feeling coming together and I'm expressing it but just for me you know I do I do have commissions and I do work for other people but this is just for me this creativity flow or practice that I'm doing and it's color and it's words and it's music and it's sewing slow stitch so I'm glad that you brought in that Creativity, because those are the things that I was going to ask you around, you know, nature, self care, and creativity. So, you said you're an an academic. So, are you writing about? Yes,
1: I'm writing about nature in a more bloggy way or way (laughs) like you invited me today, (laughs) which is really nice as an academic because I don't have the pressure of Harvard referencing and finding. books to justify my point mm. and finding so many pieces of literature mm. it's just really nice to write from the heart yes. and the mind yes. and to write mm. through your hands to write through your senses mm. um because it's not always a lens that is valued in academia yes um, so it's really nice to find this space is it's my sacred space now Mm. um for writing so I wrote a blog recently on creativity for the wild women press and I reread an article I'd written in 2018 as an academic on what does creativity mean in education so I rewrote that in a bloggy style Mm. and what does creativity mean for me in nature and I went back to some of the things that I did with children in schools on creativity and one of the things I'd you know, when we had time in school or if the school had a green space is I'd take the children out and find a tree and say, let's make up a story. What if this tree said that to another tree? Mm. Let's imagine if this tree did this. What do you, how do you think the other trees might respond? And I was going on a walk along the Ridgeway the other day and I was on my own and I was looking at the trees and thinking back to my teacher days in schools just asking myself those questions what if imagine if Mm -hmm. these trees were having a conversation and I think it touches back on your words you said there's an energy and a synergy I think Mm -hmm. you used Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and I think what nature does we yes there's energy energy can be possibly seen as more one-dimensional but when we think of synergies synergies for me are when creativity really sparks
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that synergy happens when you're in those magical moments in nature
0: mm. yeah yeah that's lovely definitely yeah and yeah you had me there imagining you walking along talking about <clears the trees. throat> talking about the trees that. and I love that so you must share what like in the show notes we'll have some links so please share that link to that blog and also share that link to your group as well because the last thing I want to ask you is just like you've said that you've got an event planned and it's going to be with a geology geologist um yeah, this Sunday yeah so yeah so what what future plans have you got for the group? I mean, c- great stuff that it's a social enterprise, because that means that you can access funding. Because I found, like, the activities that we do, the main funding that we need is getting the bus, or getting a, pra- you know, getting a bus to get us out, because Northumberland is maybe a bit of a trek for us uh, up here if you don't have your own transport. And the bus service is a bit hit and miss. So we found that our finances are taken up by just hiring a bus to get there. But yes, so what are your plans for the future for the group?
1: So in terms of future, really, I I want to be able to get some funding, secure Mm -hmm. some funding. I've got a very small pot at the moment to just get some expert speakers in, Mm -hmm. but developing a diverse and creative program of family events, mm-hmm. which appeal to different audiences. So somebody could look at my program and think, okay, I can't go to all of them, but I'm going to try one of the events. Mm-hmm. And it's some what I've found is getting people in once, because after that once or twice, mm-hmm. they build up confidence. Yes. And I really want to do more creative stuff. Go back to my teaching days. Think about you know like poetry readings in the countryside storytelling all of those things i've got an event for example on diwali on sustainable diwali patterns on the floor using leaves and twigs shining a creative lens on each event
0: getting more permanent ways of having those colors on in the landscape for diwali is doing something creative actually embeds the experience more so within our bodies. It does open us up to being receptive to the experience and what's happening. But then beyond that, and thinking, well, I've done this. I, maybe I could do this next time. And you're right. It's getting them in the once and then they get a taste of it. It does broaden the horizons and confidence. And it's thinking, like, yeah, they do come back after that. And then it's like, I know for, for us, it's like they're banging on the door saying, like, when are we doing something else now? Come on. You know, no. that sort of
1: thing. That's and, really. That is lovely when people say, oh, when are you doing another one? And if anything, it's our physical person power to keep up. It's the Um, capacity. It is the capacity. capacity. It can can be a full-time job, Mm -hmm. as you know, Sherry. It is quite full-on doing it alongside an academic job and running a home and Mm -hmm. all of those and having... Although my children are grown up, I'm about to become a grandmother any day. There's so many different roles that we play as women mm. and within the extended family network and our own parents. Mm. So there's there's a lot we juggle. Yeah. But I do, I do see community service um, as almost... I wish every person saw it like this. I think the world would be such a happy place <laughs> if everybody saw community is one dimension of their lives and it's difficult because reflecting on this the other day that I'm in a privileged position today that actually my I can give some time I don't have little children crying I don't have homework demands not in survival mode anymore stage where and I always said when we were earlier in our marital relationship that one day when we are more financially secure we will,
0: the best thing we can give is our time and knowledge to communities. Yeah, I totally agree there. And you know, you led with it from the beginning and, and that's why I admire you. You know and you're aware of your privileges and you use them to better others. You're not just keeping it to yourself in that sense. You are. No, I always try to amplify the voices of others. The young,
1: the young people of colour in this space who are coming in, there's some really dynamic talent, mm. actually, and it's, it's very encouraging seeing them,
0: mm.
1: some of these youngsters in this space, um, because they're going to keep these legacies alive, aren't they, at the end of the day? Aren't they? Aren't so, they? Yeah.
0: And, and that's, a, that's a, a wonderful thing to witness. And also, it does feed that those fires of hope, you know that it is a case of there is going to be that legacy and it's going to continue. I could focus on the dark times and and the negativity and you know things that are happening, but there, there's these pockets and moments of goodness and coming together and connection. They are they're fuel. Right, fewer.
1: you're right, and it's sometimes as people of color we. We almost carry the trauma baton mm. and you kind of feel, I think more recently, especially during COVID, I've kind of felt, well, actually, I don't always, yes, I acknowledge trauma. I share stories of trauma. I'm very honest and open about it, mm-hmm. but actually I don't need to share my trauma in every space to get recognized.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And actually
1: there is a joyful side and yes there is a positive side to our lives which is quite emancipatory oh um, my gosh yeah i mean that is it i mean again it's like it's, bell hooks says doesn't she just because yes. just because i'm black and this and that and the other it doesn't mean you know i'm downtrodden and yeah. i can't remember which book bell hooks talks about that and it's in the opening of one of her chapters
0: that Even you know we're not
1: just the trauma we've lived
0: no we are more exactly. than that Exactly. And that is just something that, again, these last couple of years that I have, I would say, moved into and allowed myself to luxuriate in it. (laughs) I mean, I like that. I like that. I like that verb,
1: luxuriate in yeah in the job a right? lovely word luxuriate <laughs> I think we well, should take ownership of that Cherie
0: I do I
1: do I'm with you I'm with so it's black and brown women
0: <laughs> have permission to luxuriate their stories yeah. and lived and experience enjoy, man. well again it's a practice because sometimes I do forget but it's and it is actually my connection with other human beings in my community that reminds me. And as I just said, you know, in this, it's like what you've been saying has reminded me and reinforced me and inspired me. And I think, yes, all right, I'm I'm ready for another day or another battle or another, you know? Yeah. Shari, can I give a shout out to the moonwalkers, the marathon moonwalkers?
1: Yeah. 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 So the walk, the marathon that we did last Sunday um seven women Mm -hmm. and it was really powerful how overnight um we shared stories of trauma
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and but also and childhood but we also and, and there were migration stories stories of family heaviness and all of those things but also there were moments of joy and indian music and dancing our way to the finish line or to the start line so there were really powerful stories that we shared as women mm-hmm. beyond as we walked yeah. and walking such a powerful act when we do it and i never realized the power of it at night time it's very different to walking in the day
0: it's beautiful, that experience that you've just shared there of moonwalking with with these seven other other human beings and sharing stories and that there's a bond in that way. We are hardwired for stories, but there is that beauty and, and I don't know, it's almost transcending them, you know, as you keep on walking through the night into the light and how there's joy and laughter and love you know it's love man love for ourselves and love for other people that is seeing us through we're doing this out of love i know it gets bad rep love especially if you go around saying I'm all about love and not here but I think it's the most powerful powerful energy there is in this whole world yeah people Um, people can think you're a bit nutty can't they they think oh my gosh yeah, you're not
1: real for it but (laughs) yeah love and kindness when we when we do things from a place of genuine love and kindness yesterday at this conference I drew on the work of Satish Kumar who is conservationist an indian conservationist and in his work he talks about gandhi and he says he retraced gandhi's footsteps and looks at gandhi's motivations for doing stuff his Mm. politics his Mm. activism and he says well when you do things from a genuine point of a genuine motivation to better the earth
0: Mm. better
1: mother earth better communities all of this Mm. actually politics is spiritual yeah it's not corrupt and actually if that's how politics was in the world if it's done from a place of we want the we want the planet to be a more sustainable planet we want people to be healthier we want people to be if we just had some things like that if that's what guided our politics wouldn't it be
0: amazing oh my gosh i would this world would be oh wow there's a thing oh I can't I can't see that I can't imagine it but then if I'm open and I al- allow myself to it to see that and imagining that it's like that fills me with joy and that's something worth aiming towards isn't it it is it's, it um, is and I think as I'm entering the
1: phase of becoming a grandmother <laughs> I'm really trying to be hopeful and think yeah. you know think forward and Think yeah. I do, you know, we don't want our future daughters, granddaughters, whatever, to, to face the traumas that we did, otherwise, exactly. something's gone wrong.
0: That's it, that's exactly, and that's how I operate from that individual zone here in my in myself and in my daughter, and then the next zone out and the next zone out. And and it, it, and it's, and I feel it can only start with me, the individual, making those changes within myself, That so I'm the be- best version of myself showing up in the world. And then that means that I can be the best version for others who I come in contact and connection to. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And it's and it's having that relationship with nature that does support me in this journey. She shows me the way, she supports me, she loves me. She does, she does. You just have to ask. And I remember my grandmother used to say, you just ask.
1: When you pray, you ask, and the answers will come. Mm. And actually the answers would often come in my dreams or as I was in a shower or something. But when we go out into nature with a question chances are on our return home the questions are often answered or it never was a question that was that important
0: exactly exactly yeah all right so i'm gonna just finish on those words of wisdom because you know asking those questions you have to listen to the answers you have to be open and receptacle to those answers and I have been listening to you, Geeta, and I am ready, ready now to go forth and you know conquer the next thing, which is probably Aww. just is probably just you know um, being outside in nature i'm gonna get myself out there oh um, bless you sheree no i bless i you. do
1: pray to mother nature that one day sheree oh you and God. i can go for a walk together yes i knew what was coming and that is my hope my yes. hope is Mind that one you. day um because the energies have synergized
0: yes. to bring
1: us together
0: yeah here yeah,
1: and we've never met but we've connected our energies have connected totally, totally everything I do is through energy
0: work yeah no I'm with you on that I'm with you on that so I appreciate you and everything you do and also more so everything you be okay Aww. so thank you so 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 very much for thank your. thank you Sheree. that's really
1: kind of you to invite me on Um, your voice is incredibly powerful in this space and also how you're amplifying voices in this space. Thank you.